0: listen are you listening (laughs) this is the sound of my country this is the sound of taiwan
1: taiwan
2: A small island with a whole world of sounds.
3: Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Jukebox Republic. But as always, we kick the show off today with a new edition of Here in Taiwan. Well, hi there! Welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're just joining us on our Facebook livestream, welcome to you. Today is Friday, September 17th. Otherwise, if you're joining us on the airwaves, it's now Monday, I believe the 20th of September. I'm John Van Triest, and joining me here in the studio today is Shirley Lin. Hi there! In just a moment, we'll be telling you about one man's quest to become Taiwan's largest producer of humane eggs. Also, activists decry the need for more protections for cats. And we'll also be telling you about one man's journey from the wrong side of the law to a breakdancing champion and nominee for a presidential cultural award. All that coming up next. Please stick around. a growing concern in Taiwan about uh, animal welfare, and uh, that includes a growing number of people who have turned to veganism. I know even our own Stash Butler for a time was experimenting with that. Uh, And I've also seen a lot of oat milk around lately for people who are getting off the dairy. But if you're concerned
4: about eggs, this farmer has you covered. (laughs) That is true. Well, the thing is that um, he's a second generation um, egg farmer. Um, his dad was and mom were like owning this chicken farm for a long, long time. Now, do you know that there's a difference between like raising chicken for the meat and raising chicken for the eggs? Well, yeah, They're very th- different. One of
3: them they end up dead, and then the
4: other, not. Y- yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's it's it, a pretty big it. difference. I know it, it really is. I didn't know. I learned a lot from this story here. So his name is Lin Jie and um, basically, you know. Um, he was saying like, wow, it's so cruel to these chickens. And especially um, his sister is also in working on a farm. Mm. Every time when they know that, you know, a chicken is going to have to die, like be butchered, um, she would just lock herself up in her room and not come out. And to the point where, you know, Lin tzu was saying like, you know, I've had it, you know, I'm going to do something about this and make it more humane. So actually he turned to like um some high technology, like even spent lots of money Um, getting this uh, sort of like a, a, a system from Europe Mm. It's actually it's a sort of like a climate change control system a climate actually. climate control system, right? Yeah, a climate control. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. Climate control system. I don't think so, it's going to help
3: much with climate change.
4: Uh well, it is uh it is, you know, it, it is good for climate change. I okay. mean, to have the system to to deal with the mm. kind of, you know, uh, changes Lower carbon in climate emissions. Change. Right, right, right. So now he produces 14 million eggs every year from free-roaming chickens. Free-range chickens, okay. Right. So, so um the thing about, I mean, for those who don't know, uh, chicken who are, um, you know, raised for their meat, they get to walk around. They get to, you know, eat, drink water, even like run around uh, they often space They're together,
3: I think. Uh, they, so. They're not. They're battery caged.
4: Right. But for those that are meant to lay eggs, they are all caged. And, um, and in Taiwan, conditions. very, very much, and especially in Taiwan, most um, egg farmers use the white uh, species of chicken, They're the white hands, and they are smaller in stature, and but uh, uh, so they can squeeze more into a I cage. See. So you know? have more production
3: per area. Yeah,
4: but these kind of chicken are more active. They're not that docile. They're more active. Mm. They need space to move around. Mm, But they're not given that. Right, they're not given that. So um, Mr. Lin has decided to turn to red chicken, okay, that are more docile. And to let them out of the cages. And to let them out of the cage. And they move around. Um, He actually does a lot with, you know, like upgrading the barn for the chicken. Um, He has raised platforms so that they're free to roam around. They have areas to grind down their nails. Hmm. I didn't know that, that that was something chickens did. Yeah. And they even have like egg laying enclosures. Hmm. Like some chicken, I mean, they want to lay eggs, but they want their privacy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm sure that's true. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so and, and then also the barn floors, he's got like bedding of sand baths so that the chicken themselves can clean away the pests on their own hmm. bodies. So then the farmers don't have to use insecticides. Oh, that's actually
3: probably great for the chickens' health as well. Yeah, and, uh,
4: this is. A, and of course, a lot the people who end up in the eggs don't want to have that insecticide end up in them. No, so. no, you really don't. And so, this uh, expensive European climate control system that he got—it's supposedly like wave-shaped evaporative cooling sheets. What does that mean? As I, I know, I'm trying to picture like these white waves, you know, and they kind of move up and down or something like that. Um, and, and and they they their cooling system and so as opposed to like blowing cold air on chicken mm. you know in air conditioned barns you see so this is actually more humane and more make them feel like they out in nature uh, okay you know like also. blowing a breeze kind of thing so for example if it was like 38 degrees celsius outside today then in the barn it would be just 30 degrees celsius now it's not it, it will be warm but not hot mm okay 30 is still quite hot <laughs> yeah well yeah but um anyway and so the system is fully automated you know with preset parameters to control the temperature the humidity and all that other factors and it detects like for example if there's like too much carbon monoxide well that then kill
3: things so. yeah that would
4: i mean us. <laughs> where would that come from i don't know <laughs> someone don't pumping know. a the I'm not sure. Just exhaust an, pipe to give an there? example. It oh. would pump in more air, and then adjusting the speed to make it feel as though a breeze is passing oh. by, as opposed to like you know I don't know blowing something. So um, it says that most of the egg farmers in Europe they use this, but in Taiwan farmers tend to rely on natural breezes. What I'm which we don't have what very I'm much thinking, of. Yeah, I know. I was just gonna say. What I'm thinking is, they just want to save on money. You know, they yeah. don't want, they don't want to spend money on this. And 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 so um, the problem with that, though, also is that um, you know farmers in Taiwan they cut down on costs by using these barns with the metal um, roofs, corrugated iron, corrugated iron, which which are so hot in the yeah. summer. And it can be really cold and winter because I lived in one of this kind of apartments before. And um, that actually, if it gets so hot in there, the chickens, they, they lose appetite. And then they they don't produce as much eggs or even like healthy eggs. They could die as well if it's too hot. Right. So I'm sure that, that
3: seems to be a bit counterproductive, actually.
4: Very, yeah, I know, totally. Now, for him to raise these red chickens, um, he doesn't produce as many eggs from these chickens. But at least, you know... Um, the eggs are of better quality mm. and they don't break as easily and they have less deformities in these eggs. Hmm. So, gosh, I learned a lot about <laughs> this. Seriously. I mean, I had no idea. Well, I mean, yeah. So, you know, free range chicken. He, he. I'm sure he's a humble guy. He's going to like go around and try to convince all other, you know, Taiwan far, um, egg farmers yeah. to switch to more humane ways of mm. raising their chicken. It sounds
3: like they might need some convincing if it's oh, an expensive I know system. He needs a team of people. Mm. You
4: know, look at him. He's like a very nice, you know, humble guy, doesn't he? The chicken looks very happy the, the, the and well, then which is unusual. And, then, so he's and then, yeah, he's, he's holding this, you know, like, like, really comfortably, lovingly <laughs> holding this You're not this, supposed uh, to hug them. Chick- th- they can give you
3: salmonella, you know. Yeah. You're know? not supposed to hug chickens. That's what I think oh, someone in the U.S. Really? said. Yeah.
4: Well, um, hmm. I guess maybe. he's not afraid
3: of salmonella. Uh, or maybe or the that, way he raises them is makes that, them less susceptible. You know? Yeah,
4: or that maybe he, he believes that, you know, his chicken are very, very healthy. <laughs> so not to worry or something like that. But hmm. anyway, that's good to yeah. know.
3: There's been quite a push in recent years for greater protections for animals, and especially cats, and I think a lot of that is because a lot of our politicians, notably our president, um, are noted cat lovers. Mm. But people are finding that we still don't go far enough as far as the law is concerned.
4: I know. um, I had no idea. This is really shocking. Um, Well, first of all, maybe because, you know... um, I I think John knows, but uh, we're thinking of like, you know, getting a cat for the house. And maybe because of that, when I read the story about this recent cat abuse story, I mean, I I felt I was really affected by it. Mm. What happened was that, I'm not going to go into details. Basically, uh, this guy was trying to get his uh, ex-girlfriend to his side. So he tortured this cat. What? That they've had. It's called Cha Cha, like Cha for tea. Mm. Yeah, cha cha. He um, abused him for um, I don't know. he, I'm not, I said I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna go into details. But it died 11 mm. days later. Yeah, the cat. Even though there were some cat lovers, you know, animal lovers who rushed to the Got place because of the he, yeah, but um and brought brought the cat to the hospital, but it was too late. So, so it only he, survived 11 days. I mean, so, that is
3: illegal, though. Is can he be prosecuted
4: for this? Well. Here's the thing. It is. I mean, we do have an Animal Protection Act. We do. But um, according to the act, killing, deliberately hurting, or causing injury to an animal, and not just only cats, can lead to a jail term of up to two years mm-hmm. and a fine of up to 72000 US dollars. But...
3: Uh, both quite slaps on the wrist, given what's right. the crime. It, it,
4: it, yeah, that that is. But, I mean, that's just too but light. Is he going to be prosecuted with under the act? You know, the, the, no. Is someone well, taken um, him to court? Even even if he is, uh, apparently the lawyer that who's, who's representing the you know this guy's ex girlfriend, um, he she said he or she has never seen any case of animal cruelty result in penalties that cannot be commuted to a fine. Because sometimes it would just automatically, mm. they don't have to serve any jail term if, as, you know, if they would just pay a fine. So this is an act without teeth. Yeah. So now, so the thing is that um, if a court sentences an offender to a jail term of up to six months for an offense that carries a maximum of five years, the sentence can be commuted to a fine of up to like 3,000 NT each day.
3: Which is ridiculous. Of the sentence. That's like, I know. Still. It's like. No No very little.
4: Yeah, it's like no sentence at all. So so when,
3: that's why I think when you adopt from a lot of shelters, there are contracts, legally binding documents that you sign.
4: Okay. Okay. All
3: right. So you're like criminally responsible if, if, if something if you do something wrong.
4: Right. Well that's good to know. So I think
3: that's probably why they're there because these these shelters realize that that this law doesn't have any real teeth to it.
4: It it really doesn't. Um basically after this, you know, the situation with TT oh sorry they call him TT Tata um T. isn't the best yeah, <laughs> for people who some don't know. animal lovers came up with a petition and they got forty-four thousand signatures when the threshold was at five thousand in sixty days. So that meant the agency in charge of animal protection, which is the Council of Agriculture's Animal Protection Section, has to respond within two months. So by October twenty-seven. That's
3: a ridiculously long window, as well. The case seems to be fairly clear-cut. It took you how, less than how many minutes to explain it? Yeah. It seems open and closed. Uh, pro- you know, I am. Sec-
4: you know, sentence in right there. But. You know the situation is really a lot more complicated than we, than we realize. Legally speaking, or yeah, legally speaking, for a legal perspective, three major amendments were made to the Act from 2015 to 2017, and uh, to impose heavier penalties on animal abusers. And this mainly happened because there was like a wave of shocking series of cat. I remember one of them involved an exchange student from Macau. That
3: was that, the, probably the that, most infamous it, one. That's
4: the one. Very infamous. And this was just before they upped the fine, you know. So. And again, um, I think all
3: that happened to him, if, just, if I remember correctly, was he was deported. Never uh, served a day in jail.
4: Yeah, he didn't have to serve a just jail got term. Deported. And, and then you know he had just had to pay a fine. So <laughs> it says that the fundamental solution lies in the legal status being granted to animals, so that they are not treated merely as objects. Yeah. Well, as I said, we so, have a
3: number of people in high places who are definitely noted cat lovers. So I think yes. the political will probably isn't too hard to find. It's there. Yeah. At least in some corners of our establishment.
4: Right. But I think it's still like, you know, politicians, they can think that they have more important things to take care of, more important laws to pass than this. That's um, that's my feeling. Because, of course, once the law states that animals are no longer objects, Judges would have a stronger base to impose heavier sentence, and only heavy sentence. Um, But uh, government uh, data actually showed that there were close to like 6,500 animal cruelty cases reported in 2018 to to 2020. But only 161, like 2.5 percent, was punished. So I wonder, um,
3: maybe that could be something that uh, animal shelters and activist organizations, because there are a lot of them in Taiwan, could get behind. So the animals don't have lawyers but the, yeah. the the these groups could bring
4: could get together the funds to hire someone. You're right. But there there aren't that many of them. There are only 3 categories of people that handle animal protection affairs. The animal shelter staff right. and then there's vets who are stationed at the shelters and animal protection inspectors.
3: Well they're not always stationed at the shelters a lot of them just come through like I know that there's at the rabbit shelter that I volunteer sometimes at there's uh A vet like once a month Who comes through And gives free consultations To people who who have Who've adopted Oh And if they're Otherwise they take the rabbits To the vet The vet's not there
4: Right They're not in-house They can't afford That sort of thing So apparently As of April 30th There were only 102 full-time And 72 part-time inspectors Across Taiwan Yeah That's not not a lot And their legal status Can be vague Hmm. You're not really sure How legal they are and in the case of pets, it's one thing for inspectors to be given the right to check on owners, report as abusers. It's another thing to carry out these inspections because the laws um, says that inspectors cannot break in during an emergency. They cannot arrest people. And they do not have enough knowledge to, or power to collect evidence.
3: And this is another reason why a lot of shelters require you um, to post regular updates, so they can see how your animal's doing oh, on, on okay. their Facebook group or whatever. If you've adopted, there's a contract that says you have to do all these things. Right. And that way, they have ways of keeping tabs on people, and that's why, really, you need to adopt because uh, I think that shows the shelter that you're legit. You're not right. <laughs> and it, the shelter only only will the shelters will yeah. only give. Let the animals go to reputable people who can right. prove that they've got a proper environment for them. And
4: okay. Well, I'm not worried about the shelters. I'm sure that they're all very experienced and they really have great love for animals. It's the individuals that that's why they vet you. you. They
3: not to so forgive you, my pun, but that's they vet people. Um, mm. They make sure that they're suitable. Mm. There's an interview process. Right.
4: You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. There's a
3: written application you, with you had photos. To go to their interview. Yeah. There was photos of mm-hmm. the of the room. Mm-hmm. And the area where they'll be raised. And they, like I said, at the very least, twice a year, every six months, you have to send in an update mm-hmm. on to their Facebook group with photos or whatever. Oh, video. is that right? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Most people send them much more frequently because they love to share. But yeah, <laughs> that's just so that they can huh. keep tabs on how it's doing.
4: Wow. Yeah. How's the um, Animal Protection Act in the States?
3: I don't know. And I imagine that it varies from state to state like most things.
4: Oh, you're right such a big country so it well varies it's,
3: a, it's a federal country which taiwan is not mm. so we're much more unitary in what the way that things things happen from the center so mm. i don't know uh, yeah it sounds like there's a lot <sighs> more strengthening that needs to happen Yeah. all right well from gangster to i guess award-winning breakdancer. this is quite a lifetime transformation
4: i know and we're talking about a uh, winner of the 11th Presidential Culture Awards Did he win it, or was Taiwan? he just nominated? No, no, he won it. Um, okay. Actually, there are five categories, and he won it for innovation and creativity or something. Um, whereas um, our Taiwanese um, film director, Ang Lee, won for, I guess, uh, the other category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the arts and culture, I think it was. Okay. Yeah, uh, the same award. Anyway, his name is uh, Chen Bo Jun, and he goes by B-boy Bo Jin. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a stage name. Yeah. Now, the thing was that before he became, you know, a breakdancer, he was like a ritual performer and also a gang, gangster.
3: And that's something that in Taiwan, I think, happens sometimes. There's kind of maybe a blurred line between certain temples and the uh, the criminal underworld. (laughs) There can be a bit of a link depending on.
4: Oh, yeah, I know. It's something people we,
3: overseas may not know. Right. I mean, we have movies made yeah, about that, right? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a gray area sometimes. It is, Sometimes, it is. some temples.
4: So, yeah, we're, we're talking about, you know, when we're talking about ritual performers, we're talking about a Ba Jia Jiang, right? These right. are like eight generals. They and they have, actually
3: are said to physically embody that the the gods that they represent. Right. And uh, they paint their faces in paint a very faces. elaborate very. colors and the costumes costumes and they have weapons too they do like kind of kung fu oh uh, yeah yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's kind of almost like a coordinated mock battle that they do mm-hmm. to some like back accompanying traditional music
4: exactly now he was interested in that because he was really inspired uh, when he was young to learn martial arts. Mm. And one of his um idols is Bruce Lee. Yeah. And he used to watch a lot of movies and also like you know reading Japanese comic books about martial arts and things like that. Called Dragon Ball. I don't know. That's not really about that. martial arts. No, it's not about martial <laughs> there is, arts. Oh, I okay. mean, there is some, but it's, that's <laughs> not the main.
3: I don't think. Okay. I used to watch that on TV.
4: <laughs> yeah. So then his story went on is that at the age of ten he got to uh uh, like got to know about this group a town's first hip-hop group called la boys Hmm. Oh, oh, you wouldn't know because you weren't here then. No. Okay. So I, I, and I, know. I would have imagined from the name that they were in L.A. I was thinking but I guess like not. I didn't see any expression for was like Oh, all right. You so, know. Yeah, it's not your time. But anyway. So, so he got really into break dancing because of that group, and they were very popular back then. You know, in Taiwan. But then, unfortunately, bullying ended his passion for the art form. Mm. Yeah. I mean, because you know, back then. A lot of Tommy's kids didn't understand breakdancing, so they were thinking, like, "What are you doing? You know, what is this? Oh, okay. You know, that kind of stuff." Today, every so, kid does,
3: every high school has teams, and they all regularly practice out in
4: parks. Yeah, yeah. Now, now they do. So he ended up, you know, become a gangster. You know, started getting into fights and trouble, and he was like in and out of the police station all the time, and and he joined the gang when he was just only junior high student student I didn't know they accepted such young recruits I, I know. know yeah hmm. they don't ask your age I guess I don't know <laughs> until one day he joined this urban dance club at the school hmm. and then um, well he, he really started you know liking it again and everything but he was not supported by his family at all and one well, time better the
3: use of his time than being in a gang
4: yeah right you think his family well, would have seen
3: that as a step up his
4: parents didn't know any better hmm. um to, you know, he he would, um, like, hide his helmet in his school bag. For, you know, it, it's to learn head spin, right? oh, oh, I was going to say yeah. helmets. I didn't but know there was his a full But his dad found a helmet and grabbed it and beat him with it. He ended up in the hospital. Mm. Yeah. But he later, you know, he he'd still, you know, just very determined to learn this art. So he developed his own signature dance style, which incorporates breakdancing dancing and martial arts. Mm yeah and actually um uh, a video came with a story and i watched it he's really it's very smooth he's not like angry or anything like that you know it's not harsh it's flowing he was like he Graceful. had um there was this woman in in the video with him she's like playing the 二胡, some some a traditional chinese traditional instrument and he's like moving to it he's got a white hat on with a white kind of like, you know, um, what do you call it? Martial art costume. Oh, okay. Like a and yeah, pants and, and hmm. top. And he was just very smooth. It was almost really graceful and beautiful watching him do mm. it. Which, yeah, if I hadn't watched that I hadn't I was thinking like, oh, it's probably like, you know, yeah, I know what breakdancing is like. But no, it's very different. So it's very graceful, of, uh, very it's nice. It's a
3: combination of break dance and other styles. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
4: So then in two thousand six he represented Taiwan at the Battle of the Year, which is like the world's most renowned annual competition in breakdancing, hmm. and then he was the ninth best dancer in the world at the uh, Battle of the of the of the Year in 2006, and then he got better because he became third place in 2011. Wow. Yeah. How's he doing these days? Is he made it to the top yet? Uh, well, he took home uh, his first gold mm. in 2016. All right. You know, leading a Tommy's. well, it wasn't just him. He led a, a Tommy's trip to win the battle in Shanghai. Ooh, and I'm surprised um, they
3: were allowed to compete as a Taiwanese anyway. That's a different story.
4: Yeah. And and then he also was a judge at the World Dance Sport Federation. Sounds really big. And um now he got the award, well the presidential what did I call it? Of the President award. Culture Awards. Mm. For for one thing is because he's um incorporating breakdancing in the twenty twenty four Paris Olympic I was going Games. To, that's
3: exactly what I was just about to say. I just remembered that they're breakdancing is an Olympic sport now, so he could bring he could be our next Olympic champion, couldn't he?
4: Oh wow! That would be something. So that's that's a, a new thing in the twenty twenty four, or has I don't know it, if, it was was it this, if it was this if it was
3: there this year. But huh. I think it may be new.
4: If it, yeah, wow, um, that's really something. Anyway,
3: with Taiwan, I don't think had any competitors, but mm. that would be a real dream come true, wouldn't it?
4: Yeah, All he's already thirty nine you know and wow. he's very humble he's like passing on this to younger dancers mm. you know he says I'm not going to be always in the spotlight you know so that's
3: the case with any of these yeah art forms that's right. Great. well that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan I'm John Van Trieste and I'm Shirley Lin thanks to everyone who joined us and stay tuned next because there's more of Shirley coming up on Jukebox Republic
4: goodbye <laughs> Welcome to Jukebox Republic, I'm Shirley Lin. First of all, there might be some detailed mention of animal cruelty in my show today, so just to give you the heads up. But I found this article in Taipei Times last week that was about, uh, I mean, that was just both an eye-opener and an encouraging story at the same time. It's about this man in Miaoli County by the name of Lin Jie, uh, Lin Zhijie. He decided he was going to become the most humane egg farmer in Taiwan. His motto is Happy Farmers Raise Happy Chickens. It makes a lot of sense, right? But wait until I learned how it really is done, or rather how it isn't humanely done in most egg farms around Taiwan. There are ways to keep chicken happy and still get delicious eggs, believe me. This song here is actually about happiness. Uh, it's sung by several different artists. Tang, Happy Heaven This song actually is a classic. It goes back to 1986. Yeah, just uh, before I came back to Taiwan, so I, you know, I know that it was a very popular song then. People just, everybody was singing it. So, 快乐天堂, uh, Happy Heaven, Joyful Heaven, sung by several different artists. Now, um, I was talking about Lin Jie, this um, egg farmer. Um, he was born into a family business running chicken farms. His family was already raising chickens for eggs before he became an egg farmer himself. Five years ago, he decided to transform his family's chicken coops into humane egg farms. He actually spent tons of millions of, uh, sorry, he actually spent tons of money, yeah, uh, the first three years doing that, but he hasn't regretted any of that effort. He has named his new farm Mao Lin, animal welfare poultry farm. Yes, he really, really wants it to be like the most humane egg farm you can ever find in Taiwan. Now, Mr. Lin produces 14 million eggs per year now from free-roaming chickens. Not caged chickens, okay? Free-roaming chickens, but with the help of latest technologies. Most Taiwanese chicken farms are the typical caged farming He did spend some time in Australia, but before he went to that country, he was helping his father on their chicken farm, but raising poultry for consumption, not for eggs, for the meat. Here's what I didn't know. Meat farms and egg farms actually operate differently. He was explaining how chickens raised for meat are placed on the ground where they can eat, drink water, walk around, sometimes run around a little bit. They are not as inhumane as egg-laying hands. Since the lifespan of these chickens that lay eggs is short, Lin's sister would always lock herself in her room when it's time that a chicken is about to die, you know, get butchered. Um, His sister used to help run the chicken farm, you know. After a while, Lin, Mr. Lin said he had enough and figured that there's got to be a better way than butchering these chickens, so he thought of transforming the business into free-range egg farm. He had found that 90% of egg producers in Taiwan keep caged hens. There are these white varieties, these white hens, that are actually less docile. They're they're more active. They need to run around. um, But because they're smaller in stature, they were kept in cages because, you know, you can squeeze more of them in a cage. That is so bad. No, you just don't do that. Chickens need to be happy if you want to continue to eat healthy eggs. Here's another song. Um, yeah, this is a cute song, okay? 快乐, happy farmers want, or, or a happy farmer wants to marry a wife. And um, listen to this song. It's kind of fun song. See how many different animal sounds you can uh, you can distinguish. Thank you. Huh, wasn't that a fun song it started by saying well or rather this farmer was like introducing his buffalo did you hear him and then introduced his ducks okay and then he was saying how the, the mother hen was always like walking around laying eggs anyway very very fun song So, Mr. Lin, like I was saying, um, he decided to switch to red chickens that are more docile because he found that, you know, most Taiwanese egg farmers like to pick the white hens, but uh, he he chose to use red hens. They are more docile, but he lets them roam freely inside these huge enclosed barns that have raised platforms, and they have areas to grind down their nails, Wow. And even egg laying enclosures. Yeah, sometimes they want to do it in secret, you know, they don't want in privacy, rather in privacy. Um, In order to give them the feeling of being in their natural habitat, barn floors are covered with bedding for sand baths to allow the chickens to clean away pests from their bodies so that they don't need insecticides. How about that? Mr. Lin also imported this expensive European climate control system that uses these wave-shaped evaporative cooling sheets. I don't know, try to imagine that. Instead of using air conditioning to blow cold air on the chickens, that supposedly would make them feel like they're out in nature. So let's say it was 38 degrees Celsius outside, but it was kept at 30 degrees Celsius inside, so the chickens would feel warm, but then not hot. The system is fully automated, which means it can set the temperature, humidity, ammonia level, and other factors with preset parameters. Like, for example, if it detects too much carbon monoxide, it pumps in more air, adjusting the speed so that it feels as if a breeze is passing by. He said it's one of the best systems to tackle climate change. He said most egg farmers in Europe use this kind of environmental control system. But in Taiwan, farmers don't want to spend that kind of money and just rather use natural breeze if there's any. But the problem is most farmers, again, save money on just using farms with metal roofs. And it can get really, really hot in the summer. So that affects the hen's appetite and therefore egg production. I know. Because I used to live on the roof of an apartment building here in Taiwan, in Taipei, with a slanted metal roof, okay, um, over our apartment that was added on after the building was completed. So the rent was cheap, but in the summer, in this apartment, it would be steaming hot, no matter how much air conditioning we were blowing. And in the winter, it was like freezing cold, totally the opposite. Well, free-range hens produce fewer eggs than caged hens because they don't roost as much while moving around. But then it's guaranteed that their eggs are of better quality. He said that he's very strict with disease prevention measures, but it makes sense since eggs produced by a hand that's been medicated cannot be sold. Talking about that, the last time I had Kentucky Fried Chicken in time was a long, long time ago. Only because I remember biting into a piece of the chicken, and it tasted like I had been into some kind of medicine. It was not a pleasant taste. Mr. Lin also said that in the long term, keeping chickens comfortable not only reduces operational risks, but also prevents food safety scandals, therefore promoting sustainability. And that makes happy farmers and Happy Farmers Breed Happy Chickens. The next one is by Wang Ling, and it's in Taiwanese. Kua bo te Pi. I actually also came across something else about how caged chickens, when they're under stress, they attack each other or maim themselves. So farmers do something even more inhumane to the chickens to prevent that from happening, and I'm not going to go into details about that. Anyway, um, you know, you just need to spend the money, if it, if it should be that, um, so that you can have a happy chicken. Then they'll lay healthy eggs, delicious eggs. Well, that's it for Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lynn. And um, let's all be humane to animals. This is 你快不快乐? Are you happy? by Su Yopong.
1: 我想知道你快不快乐也许只有我的心我只想知道你快不快乐不知不觉我只想知道你快不快乐 我只是不能不关心你，我只是想听你的声音。爱过的从前更懂你的人 oh